0: Welcome to Just a GP podcast. My name is Ashley Broomfield and I'm here with our usual co hosts Charlotte Hesby and Rebecca Hoffman. And we're also here with Duncan McKinnon. And I'm so excited because today's the first time that we're recording our podcast where we can actually see each other's faces. So I can see if any of my bad jokes actually land with a smile on anyone. <laughs> so far, it's just Beck that's laughing. <laughs> so... Today we're going to talk with Duncan all around his recent award of GP of the Year and what the things were that Duncan did that encouraged the people around him to nominate and then become successful in the winner of this award. But before we get to that exciting stage of the interview, we should start with some highlights. So, what's your highlight of the week, Duncan?
1: Well, it's a good time to ask because uh, this week I'm on um, a cycling trip around uh, New South Wales, just uh, driving to uh, regional centres and doing some circular uh, rides. And so that's, that's a quite special time for us. But uh, I just I left Bega with the upcoming birth of a young baby and a young girl who we've struggled with over the last 10 or 15 years. And it's just really rewarding to see her flourish and get to the point of starting her own family. So it's been really heartwarming.
0: And was this in your clinical practice, Duncan?
1: Yeah, yeah. So she went into, uh, well, they induced her just the, the day or so before I left, but it was unfavourable. So um, she ended up having a caesarean section a couple of days later and delivered a healthy baby girl.
2: Really cool. I want to know about this cycling trip. I hadn't thought that you could go drive between different places and take your bike and then ride. That takes all of the hard work out of getting from point A to point B. So you're not cycling between Bega and Bathurst. You drive out to Bathurst, then you get to do the amazing bike around Bathurst.
1: That's right, that's the idea. It's not too much hard work.
2: And it also means you potentially get a rest day.
1: Eh? Absolutely, it's got to be enjoyable.
3: Knowing Duncan, I'm sure that he provides himself with plenty of challenges when the bike is actually on the road.
0: I was going to say that that experience really highlights what's really the core of what I see the beauty in general practice, in that, you know, when you meet somebody for the first time or you're treating a particular issue with them at one point in their lives, that's not the end of what you see in the journey. You know, we get to see people develop and change over such a long period of time and then be really proud of the people that we work with when they get to a point in their lives where it may not have seemed possible earlier. I think that's one of the real joys of working as a GP absolutely charlotte what was your highlight
1: Oh, what was
3: my highlight look i've had one of those weeks that's been a bit too busy so for me one of my highlights is the things i do to feel creative and so i've in the last few weeks given birth to a sourdough baby and I've created it right from the very beginning it took a lot of love and nurturing to get it to the point that it was looking really gorgeously healthy and frothy and growing you know you give it a bit of flour, and it, it grows beautifully and then I did my first ever sourdough loaf and it was amazing. Not only did it look good, but it tasted good too, much to my complete amazement. And I cooked three sourdough loaves and I've given away, I've I've even birthed off a twin baby from my sourdough baby. And so I'm feeling very, very creative and clever, even though I know I'm well and truly behind the COVID sourdough baby craze. But you know, now that we're sort of past the COVID thing, I felt like I could do it. You know, so this is my creativity now. Have you got the culture? Yes, yeah, so that's my baby that I made. You see, you call it it's the your, culture. You're supposed oh. to give it a name. So I, I made it from scratch. You just make it from flour
0: and water. What did you name your sourdough baby?
3: Well, it's just called sourdough baby at this point in time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to name my cello, and I haven't come up for a name for it yet.
1: The trouble is it's so successful that you end up eating bucket loads.
3: So you're saying that I'm likely to now create myself a diabetic belly with too much sourdough, baby.
1: (laughs) You might develop a COVID belly.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Anyway, at this point in time, it's a joy.
2: So I think my highlight is also going to be a bit self-care related in that I actively sat down this week and booked in holidays for now and then for the middle of the year. So for the first time in a really long time I've got two holidays booked in, both that are (laughs) locally and presumably can't be cancelled and I'm actually really excited to be back at the making plans and preparations and looking at options and talking about holidays again because I think I've been so fearful about talking about them for a long time that actually having the opportunity to do that that planning process I've really missed so I'm really excited to have a couple of things planning and booked and in process
0: that sounds like fun Beck.
2: yeah it's cool
1: it's half the enjoyment isn't it
2: Oh, really? I don't like the
0: planning part of the holiday. I like just getting on the holiday and doing the holiday. So I was going to suggest that Beck could plan a holiday for me. and <laughs> Anytime. A lot has happened in the last couple of months for me. I left a clinic that I was working at for five and a half years, spent a bit of time figuring out what it was that I was going to do next. And I'd finished a bunch of new qualifications last year and started a, a master's. I was trying to figure out how I could grow that part of my practice now that I'm no longer a new fellow and I'm technically considered a mid-career GP, which I also think is very amusing. (laughs) Since our last podcast, uh, I've been in this interesting transition from finishing up at an old clinic, saying goodbye to a lot of people that I worked with over the years down there and then have started up at a local clinic and that has been really fun and really great. And it's really nice to be back in my community. I feel like I'm working with and for the community, even though I was only driving half an hour to get to work, it's somewhere deep inside it makes a a really big difference. So I would say the highlight of my week is I'm week three now. And it's feeling a little bit more settled because I've had all my pictures up in my room and I've been able to put little kangaroo paws in water around my room and it's starting to feel like settling in and it's
1: really good you're nesting
0: yeah maybe I'll birth a sourdough baby (laughs) next
3: (laughs) (laughs) you never know the smell of that sourdough as it's baking is pretty amazing for well-being is all I can say
0: I might have to steal a culture baby off you, Charlotte. You know, that'd be a good excuse to have to travel up your way. Yeah. All right. So now we're getting to the crux of the podcast and Duncan is joining us from McDonald's.
1: Yeah, in Bathurst.
0: So Duncan, you were awarded GP of the Year for 2020. So why do you think that someone in your life nominated you for this award?
1: I have had a chat to them because I did find out eventually who that was and I've defriended them. But um, it was interesting because, to be honest, she said, well, I wanted to do it for a number of years, but I think this year I was pretty sure that you'd get up there. And I thought, no, it was a strategic nomination, I suppose, on, on her bar, but it was great. It was unexpected. And it's it's been really pleasurable experience, dare I say? It's not something I put up my hand for normally. You just roll with it, and um, it's been really enjoyable.
3: That's fantastic that it's enjoyable. And
1: you know, I was talking to an anaesthetic colleague a while ago, and I don't know her, but she had heard of me because of that award, which gave me, I suppose. A way in to, to have further discussions with her about a project that I'm interested in but it was interesting because she said uh, that awards like this serve a purpose and I hadn't really thought about that previously but they certainly do and so I'm trying to uh, enjoy it while I can.
3: Yeah it's a bit like being Australian of the year you have it for a year so you need to make sure that you use every day of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's good to use. Sometimes I say, uh, oh, yeah, well, that was, uh, yeah, that was GP of the year. That was 2020. <laughs> that was last year. <laughs> but, and sometimes it's current, so uh, I can uh, use it either way. It's quite nice.
0: And then people in the future will say 2020. Oh, yeah, COVID year, the year of COVID, the year of COVID and the bushfires. Be forever remembered.
1: It was a pretty busy full-on year, really, wasn't it? as is this year
0: yeah which really brings us to the underlying attributes as to why we assume that the people in the awards crew decided to award you the title amongst all the other gps that were nominated can you tell us about some of the work that you did last year
1: it wasn't difficult really um We were just on the end of, now it was the end of the drought, but it wasn't. Then it was uh, ongoing drought conditions, which were pretty severe. And to top that all off, we had the uh, devastating bushfires on the far south coast, which affected a lot of our community very deeply. Unfortunately, um, GPs and primary care have a very low profile with the emergency services and emergency service provision. And we were struggling being heard and we were struggling providing services. And so we just organised ourselves uh, into, I suppose, an effective primary care service to try and spare the health facility, this South East Regional Hospital, from being inundated. With. We weren't to know, of course, that very few people had severe burns, And so the hospital was quieter than it's ever been. But that was because primary care was mopping up day and night. This has got really busy here. I'm, I'm sitting outside and actually it must be around three o'clock and everyone's coming home from school. So all the cars are, are passing going click, clack, click, clack. So I'm sorry about the sound effects.
3: Can I just say it's a just a VP moment that it is a McDonald's and Bathurst shared experience with you, Duncan. So thank you for providing with that noisy background.
1: Well, that's good. So, yeah, that was the bushfire stuff. And going on from that, you know, there have been lots of discussions and and there needs to be a lot of discussion about the role of primary care, which one of the VCOPs I'm involved with has been following, which is really, really good. It's good to see something born out of a need. And I think one of those things that we were sharing or thought we'd share was um, the resources that we have found helpful this year and I found the, VCOP, the VCOPs that I've been involved with, both the COVID one and the uh, disaster management one, as being fantastic sources of, of information, keeping me up to speed with where people are at. And that doesn't, it doesn't mean to say I have to say much or comment on much, but at least uh, I know I'm not the only one having those thoughts and someone else is vocalising them very often. And it's good to know that, you know, we're all on the same page.
3: So, Duncan... Tell me, with that sort of same page and the difficulties of what it's been like for you, does that shape, do you think, your own leadership skills and how you actually guide everybody around you through those sorts of scenarios? And how different do you think you, well, I hard to say how different you are from what you might be, but what do you think, It's what skills in particular or methods in, in the way in which you lead your team?
1: Yeah, I actually, Charlotte, I think you're right. Um, it's, it, it's really difficult to speak and to be a leader if you're not up to speed with the subject. And I think the VCOP and the numbers that I've been involved with, um, I was involved with an intensive care one before this uh, to do with COVID, gives you a lot of information and a, a greater awareness of, of the current thinking and uh, limitations. And so I think all of those information sharing platforms have been really valuable because they're in real time. So they're not like, uh, you know, something you're reading that's been published that's taken months to get there. These are all real-time discussions and real, real-time problems. And I think that gives you the confidence to be able to speak to a subject and know that what you have to say is meaningful and accurate. And, and that does, that does shape who you are. So I think they've been very useful um, aids to helping GPs stand up and be counted and that's in their own practice but also in the greater health sense maybe with the LHD.
0: I think for the listeners we should probably define VCOP, which is a virtual community of, of practice and Charlotte's been involved in facilitating virtual community of practice in the New South Wales and ACT outside of the New South Wales and ACT faculty of the RACGP. So many letters. And she's also been been involved with the New South Wales VCOP, which has run out of New South Wales Health as well. So for those listening who don't know what a VCOP is, it's generally where people are meeting virtually from a range of different places with a specific aim in terms of advising or directing or creating something. And it uses a combination of meetings as well as in-between meeting methods of communication virtually. And that can be done in a variety of means, either through a Google document or Basecamp is a really common one that people use. Other people use Slack. So yeah, it's been one of those things that we've kind of been able to use a lot more in an effective way, which has been really cool, yeah.
2: You talked a little bit about it, and then you were quite humble and brushed over your involvement and your leadership in the bushfires. I was hoping we could scroll back a little bit to when there were those devastating bushfires, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, down through the South Coast. And what was it that made you go, I'm a GP in my community, but that's not all I can do in this space? I can truly lead a change, and whether that be for the hospitals, for my community, but I have a greater role here than what I do on my day-to-day. What was it that made you go, I wanna do more and I can do more, and then why did you decide to do what you did?
1: I probably have been primed because two years before the 2020 bushfires, um, we had a, a similar scenario with a devastating bushfire at Tathra. Destroyed seventy homes, and for our community, uh, we had exactly the same problems that, uh, as we had this time. In the sense that the evacuation centre um, was overrun by people fleeing the fire, and the help that we had from our LHD was um, was non-existent, and so we had a big debrief following that now three years ago, but actually nothing changed. Um, And so when this happened this time around and we were following a similar scenario, it was obvious that we just had to um, take some leadership of our own and improve communication and a network without New South Wales Health's involvement it's really funny because, you know, in a time of disaster, the whole community looks to New South Wales Health as a health system. They don't look to primary care as a health system. They look to an agency that, I suppose, you know, provides, I suppose, you know, high-level services to to the community. And they don't really look at primary care as being coordinated enough or an entity to take leadership.
3: Can I say, Duncan, at this point, that it sort of sounds like you're having a disaster happening around you at the moment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was a trailer with a lot of tin going over a couple of speed bumps. Yeah. Yeah. And also the other other issue too, I suppose, is I'm I'm what's called the GP liaison officer for the South East Regional Hospital. And in that role, I kind of feel that I have an ability to make them accountable to, to primary care a little bit to the community. That, that role is meant to improve the integration between the hospital system and, and primary care, um, and it's part funded by the LHD and part funded by the PHN in Southern. And so I suppose I feel that I have some role and authority to, to speak up for primary care and make sure that it's heard.
2: And how did you do it? How did you change the conversation from being in disasters, we look to New South Wales health, and was it your answer of that it purely was non-existent and so we had to look elsewhere? Or did you have a communication strategy or a word of mouth strategy?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think we, we had already been using WhatsApp in our workspace as a way of informing people that maybe someone was unwell or had some issue that they couldn't attend. And that what that did basically was allow people who may have been on a day off without putting any particular pressure on them to pipe up, oh, look, I can I can come in and I can help. And that was uh, for reception staff as as well as nurses and, and doctors. And so we used the same kind of thing for communication around the fires and what, what we did, because I had the other practices, principals, numbers in my phone, so I invited them to a WhatsApp group along with the pharmacists and the St John's people who were running or meant to be staffing the evacuation centre. And as well as the DMS at the hospital and the beauty of that was that it it allowed all of us to know what the conversation was or what problems were and if anyone had a solution to be able to put up a, their hand and, and say I can, I can feel this or we can we can manage this after hours care so it meant that the practices could organize to do weekends on call and nights on call at that stage we were living at the practice anyway because we moved in from um, from where we lived and we had eight families living at the practice actually and their dogs so it was it was a very busy place but it allowed us to be available for for St John's to send people directly up we're only 500 meters away from the evacuation center and they have the the contract if you like to run first aid services in that center but they were very glad to have um, someone they could refer people to easily that didn't need an ambulance. So, you know, those triage categories, you know, four and five, maybe three, four and five.
0: To me, what you've just described there, Duncan, is probably a description of what we could call highly performing general practices. You know, the the use of available technology and responsive to the community need and what the community was, was requiring at that point in time, the rapid communication between sectors of the healthcare community and it not being siloed because of different funding streams or service provisions and also a testament to the wonder of working in a regional or rural area where it's possible to do those things because we often know the other practices and know a lot of the other doctors in our footprints and, and are able to have that sort of connection not only in the places that we live but also with the other services around us.
1: And I think that's right. I think, you know, primary care knows how things work in the community and, you know, even though it's really interesting, you know, the hospital is part of our community but they actually don't know how services our access outside of what they themselves provide. They don't network with um, service providers outside of their own region. So primary care is ideally suited in disasters to, to take that lead and to know where the resources are and how to access them and how to use them appropriately.
2: What's next? Where do you hope to go with this
1: award? Well, what next is the COVID vaccination stuff, <laughs> which is a challenge that's a really a really big issue
0: if you could share one tip resource or something that's going to help other gps listening to this episode and go oh yes that's awesome and i'm going to be really specific with you here related to you know the kinds of things that you found useful last year it doesn't have to be covid related it can be anything but you know something that's recent for you that you found that was really helpful for other GPs?
1: I think we just need to have faith in ourselves to, to stand up and be counted. And um, very often we might be in a community and work there for a long time. And people do respect what we do, but they won't tell you that. But if you do stand up, then you'll find that people are grateful that you have and they're very supportive. Um, people uh, look for leadership and there isn't a lot of leadership around. So I'd say don't be frightened to to do what you think is right and what needs to be done when you need to do it. I think that's a great
0: tip. And I think as GPs we often underestimate the voice and the leadership that we can have in a local community in those sorts of circumstances. So I definitely agree. Charlotte?
3: Thanks, Duncan, for a thought-provoking conversation. For me, look, I I might just bring back to basics because I've actually found the New South Wales Health website has been ridiculously helpful this last year and I've been really appreciative of their transparency and their ability to actually share with us very regularly, and regularly by regularly I mean on a 24-hour basis, you know, information that as a GP has been extraordinarily helpful. And then on top of that, I've been really appreciative of the GP for also linking to that website and to other resources that we've been creating. And so I suppose I want to just do a, a thank you to both those websites and remind everybody to go and look for them because a lot of the time when people say oh i really like it that resource is actually already there either on the racgp website or on new south wales health and we you know we've been extraordinarily well supported by both those systems at gathering everything the racgp from all around the nation with gp resources and new south wales health who've actually put together a group that gathers all the international data not just you know local stuff to to assist.
2: Beck I'm going to be a little bit of a oldie but a goodie but our practice actually took a long time to get into e-scripts and we've only done them this week. And I love them so much. I think I only print a paper script once a week. I absolutely love the e-scripts. My patients love them. It makes telehealth so much easier than before, not having to fax them to known pharmacies. So I'm just advocating that if you haven't done e-scripts because you're worried in any way about them, don't be. They're amazing. My if all of my patients find them so well received and I've honestly had no troubles at all with them in the five days I've been using them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's always that fear of like, (laughs) is it going to break the system? So I think something that COVID year, i.e. 2020 has taught us is that we can adapt quickly and even though there's some difficulties that generally it kind of washes out in the end. My resource is just around the fundamentals OTP so opiate treatment program course previously to be able to prescribe opiate treatment replacement for patients in general practice within our little number that we're allowed to do without doing the full course the New South Wales Health they've created a fundamentals course which is only 60 minutes long so it makes it like a really easy way that if someone's coming in needing help and you can get external support that it's not as onerous as it was before to be able to start providing that treatment for people which is really great.
3: So that sounds like we've come to the end and we're going to have to say farewell and leave Duncan to his McDonald's environment and lots of trucks. Thank you so much for sharing some of your holiday time with us Duncan and have a great week of cycling.
0: Enjoy your uh, cheeseburger. Uh, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.